0: we came back because we really love each other i think that goes beyond any of the other aspects you know um there was there may have been career need but that we could not have come back together if there hadn't been this kind of the the love that we have today and these three guys went through everything from being children and um and made our way to the top there are no other people around us that we can share those experiences with um it happened to the three of us and so that's a bond you know and
1: Exists today still. Hello, and a very warm welcome to Words the Bee Gees podcast. We're back for a new season. My name is Cristiano, and I'm joined by the Gib enthusiast and partner in crime that is my dad. Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome everybody, and hope you enjoy season two. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at two years on. Before we get into that album, I would just like to thank everybody who listened to and supported our first season.
2: We were blown away by the response. We thought it'd be just a, something between the two of us that we enjoy doing. We thought we might pick up the odd one or two people. Instead, we get three or four. So, <laughs> Before we get into going into season two, I know during season one, you, asked, you used to ask me a lot of questions about where I heard this and bits and pieces. But how did you actually get into the BGs, Or how did you decide, you think, wanted to listen to it well i knew that you liked them yeah and i got into a lot of music that
1: way listening to it in the car is, yeah, yeah yeah and it's i think it went in by osmosis yeah and then it was i knew that there was a bit before the disco music yeah that they weren't just saturday night fever and then i looked on spotify this would have been beginning of 2018 and i think i just picked an album at random i liked massachusetts so then i found that was on this album called
2: horizontal
1: yeah so played. did you
2: think you started with the 60s then, as opposed to later stuff?
1: I can't remember consciously making the decision as to whether I would listen to early or late Bee Gees, but I went in with Horizontal, and that's why I do have a lot of affection for that album. Yeah. Even though now it might not be my favourite album from that period.
2: But I always think it is. The first album you listened to, originally it was like Paul McCartney, I brought Red Rose Speedway, which is an album that not everybody likes. But for me, it just resonates that it's it's one of my favourites. And that's something that, that that's so subjective to
1: every person. Yeah, your favourite is your favourite and nothing can take that away. No. But I listened to Horizontal, really liked it. And then a couple of months later, I listened to This Is Where I Came In. Complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Again, I think that's because you'd played it a few yeah. times and I quite liked
2: Technicolor Dreams. Yeah. And I think that's right because we was talking about comparing that with a couple of Paul McCartney songs like Honey Pie, yeah, and his sort of granny music they call it.
1: And then after that, I listened to I went split down the middle, went to the seventies and listened to Main Course, loved that. And then I think from there I just went in different directions. I think I think then I went back and then listened to Odessa, Cucumber Castle. Then went the other way and listened to Living Eyes, ESP. Two years on was one of the later albums that I heard. Yeah. And because I played Trafalgar and I loved it I yeah. loved Odessa Then I found that there was this album in the middle called Two Years On I played it a few times and I just didn't think much of it at all And whenever I would go back to that period of the Bee Gees I'd much rather listen to Trafalgar yeah. or Odessa yeah. And so Two Years On was
2: often just dismissed mm-hmm. for me Well really you've got like 40, 50 years worth of music to go through haven't you And it's yeah. a job to pick which one I'm going to do next So, What was your first memory of this album? For me, Chris, this would have been... I've got a feeling. So I, I got it as a cassette. eighty-six, eighty-seven. Um, Nothing really. There was a couple of tracks that jumped out, but nothing really. I preferred Life in a Tin Can. Because um, I thought that was more of what I preferred of the BGS. But we say this every episode, don't we, Chris? That the last three episodes, we've gone over a few podcast we've talked about all the solo stuff and why didn't they use this for two years on why didn't they do this why didn't they do that but i think after listening to this i could see why they've done it this way and if you only hear the album a couple of times you could put it away and you could read the title and you wouldn't know what the song sounded like exactly yeah yeah no i think i think doing this it's there's a couple actually that i'm quite surprised how much i i like them and then a few years ago, I did manage to track down an LP, the version, which is on Atco. I must admit, I thought buying the vinyl, the appearance and everything would be better than seeing it on a CD. But I think the design of it works better on a CD because it's small. But on, on the vinyl, it, it, that little picture looks completely lost to me. I think if, you're, if you've been away, as the title says, two years, to come back with an album with a little tiny picture like that, I don't know whether it's all... I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether they're all the same, but this one I've got's a gatefold. And then you've got a large picture of all three of them there with, with the credits on the left-hand side. And he, even the back is still... I think it's even the same picture. They don't vary the picture either. But yeah, I, I, would, I would have expected... Not a psychedelic one from 67, but just a little bit better design. You could put a compilation of those
1: three portraits in the gatefold if you put those three next to each other on the front cover yeah that's, that's nice because it's the three brothers back together yeah what would you say is your favourite Bee Gees album cover
2: probably ties in with the albums that I like but main course is is really good I suppose I'm contradicting myself now because even Mr Natural hasn't got a picture of them on has it
1: no but that works really well yeah I, I think, think so yeah Living Eyes I think is a great cover yeah that, with the red city skylight that fits the music so perfectly yeah
0: I get too lonely To be loving you And in the night You be there Lying in the heart Of the house of a rat
2: That could be a the reason It's quite interesting, Chris, if you look at the Recordings for this album, because it's It's sort of split into two halves You've got the twins working together, the very beginning. Then you've got Barry that joins them. Then obviously we get the album. If you look at the credits, it's done a little bit like the last Bee Gees album, where there's there's songs written by all three of them. Then you've got Barry. I think there's two or three Barrys, isn't it? Three Barrys. A yep. couple of Robins, a Morris track that now appears. It's quite a strange way this album's brought together. Because I would have assumed that this is the Bee Gees coming back together, that they would have decided to have just gone for the approach of every song is BRM. Yeah. And as we said in the in the old podcast, they've still, they've not used the songs from the, the last 18 months, but they were still in the frame of mind that I want one of my songs mm. put on there. So I think with that in mind, we'll, we'll we'll start and have a look at what the Twins were doing. Yeah, looking at the notes and everything, they started working together in early June. From what I can gather, the sessions were started off by Morris, and then he brought in Robin to help him. Yeah, and then I assume the two of them then Come bygones on. be bygones. And I think Morris was working with Barry and Robin anyway, so it was just natural that the two should work together.
0: The sea, we can the world exclusively.
2: Looking at it, I've got round about June the 7th, June the 13th, they came up with four songs. Okay. One was called Conquer the World. Then they did an early version of Sincere Relation called Distant Relation. Then they dig in deep and they find a 68 song called We Can Lift a Mountain. And then we go to a solo Morris song called "Lay It On Me." Already, there was four songs that they brought in. They're very varied. Four songs, aren't they?
1: Yeah, we discussed "We Can Lift a Mountain" but with the, was it with Idea? Idea, that's is it. Is that remind me? Is that just a is that Morris and Robin composed that song?
2: Well, according to uh, this, no, it's got Barry as well. Okay, so I presume it was done in '68 with the three of them, but then. Morris and Robin decided to um, bring it back up again. Thought they could probably improve on it or do something. Shall we start off with the first song that we've got written down here, which is Conquer the World.
1: I remember back when we spoke about we can lift a mountain for the idea episode i think you, it was you that said that it sounded like a very much like a commercial uh, a song that would be used for an advert or a commercial i get the same thing from conquer the world and it's funny that they should both be done again in the same session
2: for the first song for the two of them to get together it's really good yeah to me it's got quite a majestic chorus and they're both sort of singing the lyrics are positive i think i think it's a, it's a good start the only thing's missing from it is Barry. As I'll go on to mention, I mean, there is so many tracks that they recorded before Barry come in that there's... I've made a note here, there's at least, according to um, Andrew's book, there's at least eight tracks that are as good or better. I mean, obviously not listening to these, only one going on what he said, better than what's on two years on. Mm. They could have virtually put an album out, the two of them. Because we're looking between June and November 1970. Just how many songs are there? We've just mentioned the four songs that was done in June. Well, literally a week later, again, the the twins went into the studios. And there was another batch of about five or six songs. The first one of these was called Come to the Mission. Then there's Bluebird, Whistle Me, Call It What You Like and Belinda. Now, according to Andrew Sanderville's book, the first one, Come to the Mission... It's got Morrison lead vocals and will form the first part of an impressive three-song suite. The second song in this melody is the wistful number called Bluebird, sung by Robin, and displaying his unique rhythm sensibility. The final part of this is the song called Whistle Me. Again, it's got it also sung by Robin, and again showing the trademarks of his whimsical lyrical touch. So you've got three there. Then you've got Call It What You Like, and this is just an instrumental. So I think it'd be just something that, that uh, Morris is working on. And then while he was doing this, Robin was working on a song called Belinda. Now it describes this as melodically and lyrically reminiscent of his recent work, i.e. August, October or Alexander Goodtime. And there's also a song called BG Blues, which I think, looking at it, tends to be just a Morris solo he said he he tried it sort of four times and then on the master, it's got gave up. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing. And then the next song is called I've Been Waiting. Then the session continues with Robin's, uh, Robin's song called I Wonder If You Wonder. Done in three tapes, the track features some nice lyrical twists from Robin. And then there's another composition from Robin's called Soul At My Side. This basic track will be captured in six takes, Another song called Too Much To Think About. It says a lovely song featuring Robin on lead vocals. There's another instrumental of something called Getting Back Together Again, quite apt.
3: <laughs>
2: then there's a Morris-led number called The Way I Feel Today. So it's definitely crying out for a... Um, deluxury del- issue. Deluxury issue, yeah. As Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. We could have had an <laughs> album by just the twins, couldn't we? Yeah. I mean, as I say, I've counted at least eight or ten tracks that are worthy of doing an album that we've not heard. Well, going back to Conquer
1: the World, this one also has quite apt lyrics and quite prophetic, both in reference to the reunion of them getting back together and also to the future success. Conquer the World, well, in the next decade, they really would conquer the world. <laughs>
2: and then the next recording i've got is distant relationship so shall we have a quick listen to um, to this one Yep, you'll have your foot tapping i can assure you that <laughs> both finished dancing away to that one <laughs> i mean we talk about conquer the world and and mm-hmm. everything seems on the up that is the opposite i think with conquer the
1: world you can imagine them both contributing towards the lyrics but with this one i'm assuming that this is predominantly
2: robin no, i i've I, I, I put on my notes robin carrying on where he left off with irons on fire and all those sort of things ones i wasn't quite so keen on but obviously they, they saw a lot of potential in this one to progress it further, as we'll find out a bit later on. And completely change as well. It was the lyrics were changed, weren't they? Yeah. To, to, um, which, again, we'll we'll touch upon shortly. So we're, we're looking at potentially June, these songs, and I think there was like a two-month break and then they went back in August yeah. and, and carried on with them. If you look in June, I've, I've got an article here regarding Barry... It's quite interesting that, that they went into the studio, we said around about 12th or 13th of June. Well, on the 13th of June in Record Mirror, it says that the Bee Gees are once again talking and that Robin has taken the incentive to persuade his brothers to reform the group. Barry, who had just returned from Spain, had some reservations. With my solo single only just having been released, I feel like I'd like to see what how it goes and see what people's Opinions are of it, so obviously, at that time, he was still unsure what was what. Well, as I say, literally two or three days before that, he'd, he'd done a BBC session. There's some tape logs to say that he, he did a little bit of work with PP Arnold again, so again, he was still very busy. Um, so I presume, probably for the month or two while they were in the studio, he was just trying to promote his single at the time, and then also. I mean, they were so busy, weren't they? Because they did a session in June, session in August. In the meantime, um, Morris got with Billy Laurie. They did a couple of songs. One was called Men of Men. The other song is called Ballet of Freedom. Now, Men of Men, I think we mentioned earlier on, that was recorded by the Bee Gees back in 1968, when we said we'd never heard. The song will be led by Morris on acoustic guitar, augmented by a beautiful score of strings flute french horn trombone drums and percussion and then we go back to august again and there's there's a couple of more songs one which is called find me a woman next up is the unissued the change i see features morris on piano robin on lead vocals and then most importantly about this song is that barry can be heard in the control room commenting and eventually directing the proceedings So is this the first time that he'd joined them? Yes, that was the first they got it on. Andrew's obviously heard him in the control room sending out information and saying, when are you going to sing one of my songs? (laughs) And then also there's an early version again, which was called All My Time and features Morris on some swamp guitar. And this turned out to be an early title of Back Home. So going through it at the moment, it seems to be a hit
1: rate of for every five five to ten compositions we start to get one that eventually appears on two years on yeah. so from those first sessions we got Sincere Relation from here back home we get Lay It On Me so they, it seems they're evolving quite, aren't they yeah they have to test out these different songs to then pluck out the ones that they want to use but it's such a shame that as Andrew Sandoval says he says that's five takes of a beautiful arrangement well that's five takes of a beautiful arrangement that just hasn't been heard for 52 years yeah and it's down personal taste
2: isn't it what Andrew probably likes It's not necessarily what the Brothers like.
1: We said in the last few episodes that any of those, many of the songs from those three solo albums could and should have found their way onto some of these subsequent Bee Gees albums.
2: I mean, it's just strange that all these unreleased stuff, they wasn't put onto a B-side. As we'll see further on, you've got sort of A-sides and then the B-sides, particularly in the 70s, they used tracks from either the previous album or another track from that that one album. Mm. When they know they've got all these stock piled up, but it's all in hindsight, and it's also around this sort of period that they composed "Lonely Days" as well. So that was that was an early composition for all three of them. Did they did they do it on the same day as "How Can you Men a Broken Heart"? Because that's the popular story that they wrote two the same, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously they weren't recorded at the same time, were they? But they, whether it's a good promotional thing to say that their two American number ones were written. were written at the same time, whether that was promoted in America, because in the UK, neither were really big hits. So, But then again, who's to say that?
1: they were written the same day they weren't necessarily recorded so they could have have written the lyrics for How Can You Mend a Broken Heart
2: it just wasn't but but you think if they wrote at the same time why weren't weren't, I mean if you'd written a song as good as How Can You Mend a Broken Heart why wasn't it used for two years on but who are we to argue it's just that's the story they went with on the 26th of August the Bee Gees try a new recording venue Morgan Studios and they're joined by Jeff Bridgeford on drums And what Andrew's saying here, they composed three fantastic songs. Right, the first of these is called You've Got To Lose It In The End, which will be captured in just one take and features a joint lead vocal from Barry and Robin, as well as some nice mellotron work from Morris. It says the results are catchy and certainly on par or better than most of the tracks recorded so far for two years on. And then following that is a second song called A Little Red Train. This will require four takes to complete. It is built instrumentally upon the foundation of Barry and Morris on 12-string acoustic guitars, with Jeff providing drums. Robin will add a lead vocal to take four, with Barry and Morris joining in on the countryish chorus in three-part harmony. Once again, the results outstrip any of the tracks on Two Years On. And finally, uh, the last one of the day is a song called Sweet Summer Rain. And th- this one's built around Morris on Piano. After three brief false starts, take four will be complete and considered the final master. For the vocals, Robin will begin the verses and is then joined by Barry and Morris in a three-part harmony for the choruses. No other instrumentation. On the 29th of August, Melody Maker reports on the Bee Gees getting back together again. We just discussed it and reformed it, said Morris. We want to apologise publicly to uh, Robin for the things that have been said. We just want to stop boring the public with their squabbles and just do the music. We intend carrying on with our solo careers, but we want to start things again as a group. There will be just be the three of us and we will use a session drummer.
1: I can then see another report from the enemy from September 12th, 1970. And that report states that the Bee Gees' first single, once they're back together, will be Man For All Seasons. So it makes me think that there was somebody, I don't know, a PR manager or, or just somebody who must have been giving this information to the press to build up
2: that publicity. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got Man For All Seasons and Lonely Days were both recorded roughly about the same time. So yeah. they obviously must have thought Man For All Seasons was a typical Bee Gees song. It's what the public would have expected.
1: So I wonder if at that point Lonely Days would have been the B- side, yeah, and then they rightly swapped it round. Yeah. well, things seem to be on the up for Barry because alongside reuniting with his brothers on September 1st, he marries Linda Gray at Caxton Hall Register Office. It must be really fascinating as well, for Linda. How many BG songs and Gib compositions has she been responsible for as presumably the subject of the songs? Well, that's interesting, thought, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I would have thought quite a few. I would think you're looking at songs that uh, we know are really composed by Barry. When I was
0: young.
1: Well, we've spoken about the amount of songs that the Bee Gees were writing, recording and composing during this period. In the enemy article dated November 14th that reads totalling up the B.G.'s output is like trying to catch Niagara Falls in a bucket <laughs> but Morris Gibb claims to have kept a running total of their compositions. Morris says I made it 1567 songs when I totted up the score that I've been keeping but that is over the past 10 years well I reckon he's probably missing out about 300 songs there yeah <laughs>
2: If he said that in 70, they've been really recording properly since, what, 63? Yeah. So you've got seven, eight years, haven't you? Writing since 58. 58, yeah. Morris then goes on to say, We
1: never write songs in the literal sense. One of us will have an idea and maybe play it to the others. We work out the words together and then finish it off when we go into the studio. Of course, in the past year or so, we have been spending more time writing solo songs. And those combinations of the three of us alone and together will be reflected in the tracks on Two Years On. But both sides of our single release, Lonely Days and Manful Seasons, were written by the three of us.
2: Well, I think we've given a bit of a background to where we are, aren't we? So I think with all this in mind, shall we start going through the album? Yep. We'll
1: start things off with side one, Two Years On.
0: One year, two years, time.
2: was interesting this one two years on and i thought well it wasn't two years since they last did an album but i was looking back thinking well i suppose in their minds we're talking 70 well the odessa was started in back end of 68
1: yes yeah
2: so i assume that's where we get the two years on title from yeah, as you said, Odessa started in 68 and things went a bit sour between the brothers. So as far as they were concerned, everything else is missed off. This is the next Bee Gees album, two years after we started yeah. Odessa. Yeah. Now I've put my notes, unfortunately, I've put is my least favourite lead track for any Bee Gees album so far. And they've also started this one with, as if it's the start of the session. Because obviously we talked about Robin and Morris doing all those songs. And here we start the album with a Robin and Morris composition.
1: Well, that's what I put in my notes. I thought it's actually really good to open the album with Robin on lead because this signifies the reunion. The last Bee Gees album, Cucumber Castle, was devoid of Robin. So there's no better way to start this reunion album by having... And and Acapella presented. as well. Yeah, it's that, that opening bit is really odd. It's it's like the it's a completely different song it seems because there's like you can you can hear the edit as it then goes into the two years
2: on song. Yeah. Do you think it's a little step backwards, even though it's two years on, do you think it's like a two year step back to songs from Idea? It's an odd blend because it's it's got the melancholy of Odessa and Cucumber Castle. But it's not got the grandiose feel of Odessa, has it? No you know it's 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 more stripped back
1: the production is quite flat and i'm not quite sure where that comes from because we've got bill shepherd again on arrangements and there are some superb arrangements throughout the album but something just isn't quite right, whether it's the recording studios that they're at. Because when we get to Trafalgar, the next album, and that sounds incredible. So it, it, it's just for this album. And again, this is where the album needs a remix or a remaster, because it all sounds a little bit flat and uninspired. And, and, and that's why I was never that enthused about revisiting the album. And whether
2: whether because Odessa, that, I suppose there was bad, it wasn't. Good memories was it no so they, I, I don't know whether they went to this album thinking we're going to you know strip back it still have the orchestration but not it's more band feel yeah though that might be contradicted when we go through some of the
1: tracks actually it is the kitchen sink song from the Bee Gees. it's everything that's thrown in together it sounds like you listen to it and you can hear bits of different bg songs almost stitched together yeah i think as a whole it works but as you said it's it's a weak opener to the album.
2: It's difficult, isn't it, to, to have an acapella beginning of a song in the middle mm. of a side. It's either got to be the beginning or the end, hasn't it? Yeah. And for me, it's always the beginning because then it leads into the song. Well,
1: starting the album, as we both said, it is a weak opener, but I've given it a six. I've
2: gone with a six or so.
1: personnel for this album on lead and harmony backing vocals rhythm guitar barry and then lead and harmony and backing robin on bass guitar lead and rhythm guitars piano and harmony is morris we have jeff bridgeford on drums and then bill Shepard on orchestral arrangements also on orchestral arrangement is jerry Shuri, and then john stewart is the engineer now morris brought in jerry Shuri and jeff bridgeford from his solo sessions
2: I suppose when you, if you're composing a song and you've worked with somebody, they know the way you work, so they can they can accompany what you're going to do. Or if you know they they they're they're in the same mindset as you, aren't they? But I wonder whether it was ever discussed whether Barry ever suggested bringing in P.P. Arnold. No, I I think that was not put under the carpet. But it was, I've done that. We're now going into something completely fresh.
1: Yeah,
2: everything's pushed aside, isn't it? And we're gonna we're gonna go down here. It's like some of the Barry's solo songs I, I sometimes think, well, was these written for solo stuff? You know, written as demos, didn't use them for and the kids no good. Like the next song Portrait of Louise. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. So with that in mind, shall we go Yes into that one?
1: this is an example of a song that a year ago if I'd have looked at the track listing this would have been one that I'd have looked at the title and I couldn't have remembered what the melody was excuse me have you been looking at my notes because is you're going to say the same as me exactly this th- that is unbelievable an absolute favourite on the album this might be my favourite yeah I think this is excellent now this could have been recorded in a more stripped back way but here it's actually been given more of a production and, and it's a fuller arrangement, which really complements the song really well, I think.
2: Well, I think it's got some of the best harmonies, yeah, on, on the record. Like you, before doing this podcast, I'm am sorry to say, but I didn't really know this. <laughs> and since doing this, and that, we've we've also come across a, a live version as well, of which, out of all the early Bee Gees albums, I think we've found at least six tracks, haven't we, with live versions, whether it's a live. On stage. on stage. or live at the BBC, mm-hmm. which is really good, isn't it? You're able to hear, and I think it, particularly a couple of others, it, it it's made me like them more. And this comes across really well live. It's an earworm. And I think
1: maybe the biggest reason why I always struggle to remember what this song was is because I can't see what the relevance of the title is. I don't get what that portrait of Louise, what is that? Was he looking
2: at a portrait of... Yeah, because he doesn't. The, the core it doesn't mention this in the song, does he? The portrait really doesn't exist in the song, does it? What do you describe as one of Barry's pretty songs? A bit like Kilburn Tower. Yeah, and they're the ones that I, I, I really like as well. This
1: album runs to. 35 minutes and 57 seconds so it could have had another three or four songs on there yeah a couple at least couldn't we considering that they'd written
2: what 100 songs in 1970 and then to put the A&B side as I just said earlier on when they could have put something different on I'm going to give this one a, a
1: nine. I am going to go with an eight. Okay. That then takes us on to track three, Man for All Seasons. A tear
0: for every eye.
2: This was the B-side to um, Lonely Days, and it's actually the first Barry Robin Morris composition we get to hear since Odessa. Yes, yeah, so it has been two years. So this, so this does relate to the two years on. I've put on my notes here, this is what Cucumber Castle could have sounded like with Robin. But equally, this is one of those songs which is such a typical early
1: 1970s Bee Gees song that it could have also been on Trafalgar or Life in a Tin Can. It's just one of those... It's what you'd expect the Bee Gees to do at this period, and it's probably why it was initially
2: considered as the A-side. And again, it's got another fantastic chorus. Yeah. They just definitely could knock them off, couldn't they? These killer choruses. They're just what they're really
1: good at. But again, it suffers from that flat, condensed production. Mm. I don't know how else to describe it. There's no low or high end in the mix. It just feels like it's got a
2: layer of cling film over the top of it. Yeah,
1: that's the best way to describe it. beautiful back and forth with the lead vocals shared between Barry and Robin I said it on let there be love from idea when you've got the trading back and
2: forth between them it just works so well that's what you want isn't it on, yeah. on the albums it's just what they're they're good at so all in all I think it's it's quite a positive three tracks in yeah pretty good starts the album I yeah think. I would give this a six yeah I've gone for a seven on this okay it's up there with the top part of this album
1: well, we're going to go from the highs of Manful Seasons to then the sombre, sincere relation.
4: George was born somewhere inside London town, working as he grew for that extra
0: pound.
4: Respected by all He married and made a home To give his children more than he
1: had. Well, if you hadn't realised already that Robin's joined the Bee Gees again, Sincere
2: Relation definitely reminds you that he's back in full flow <laughs> yeah. I mean I've I've put my notes here now welcome to the album's pick me up song <laughs> and this this going back to what we mentioned earlier with the demo and things this is a straightforward Robin and Morris composition which was obviously worked on with Barry and there was a change in lyrics now I think you've got on your notes Chris something about the lyrics on this so as it is in sincere relation the
1: song is all about Robin's father-in-law, oh, George. It tells the story of him growing up and his life working and making the extra pound. But initially, for a Distant Relationship, the lyrics were Sheila, Sean and I lived in Sennon Cove, drawing pictures in our dining room. She could run like Alice in Wonderland. She could speak like Charles Dickens planned. Then came the Crimean War and I had to sail, waving from the shore like Florence Nightingale and the people's prince cannot have what's rightly his, and he's convinced it's a distant relationship.
2: So that sounds like, to me, a lyrics left over from Sing Slowly Sisters.
1: Yeah, again, because he's talking about the war. Yeah. It's difficult to... When I've read these lyrics, trying to put them to the melody of sincere relation, but then listening to that demo they do change some of the meter of some of the yeah. the lines. So that So
2: I think that there was obviously still working on the song. Yeah, still developing. still it? early days on it.
1: But then as it becomes, George was born somewhere inside London town, working as he grew for that extra pound, respected by all, he married and made a home to give his children more than he had known. It's a personal song to Robin. And I think the thing was, when I first heard Two Years On a few years ago, I'd not heard Sing Slowly Sisters or Robin's Rain. So I could I didn't have that Appreciation Or understanding Of Robin's And how he works And and how he tends to write Now having heard And listened to Both of those albums And I really like Both of them Then listening To Sincere Relation I appreciated it A lot more Mm. Because I could put it In the context of Well actually This could have been On Robin's reign Or this could have been On Sing Slowly Sisters But as it is here With Morris And with Barry It's developed more As much as I like this I would have just preferred him to have brought forward Sing Slowly Sisters. Yeah. Or even, as he did, Engines Aeroplanes,
2: just to keep the mood... Up up again, yeah. yeah. Because this is going back to, you know, Robin, oh, you know... Somber. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's not one I would... Requires repeated listening for me. It must
1: have been really unusual when you first heard this album because you were going from the most recent... Give albums would have been things like Diana Ross, Dionne Warwick.
2: Oh, yeah. Very, very poppy. Yeah. To then have heard something like this. Yeah, and that's probably why it didn't register with me so much. I suppose I've hit them at different times, isn't it? As I've said, I started off with um, Saved by the Bell, then it was Run to Me, then Nothing for quite a few years, and then it was How Deep Is Your Love, then I worked backwards again, then because I, I started collecting... I then started, you know, in the '80s, started getting a lot of more stuff. Then there might have been a gap then, and then I just sort of brought the albums as they come out. And it wasn't really probably till I don't know mid mid '90s, two thousands that I, I really wanted delved into all them their material. You know, there's some good songs. Gosh, there's got to be more songs like this, and and I think that's what sends you into tracking everything down in in like an elusive trying to find something that's not there you're always looking for that really good song hidden somewhere
1: yeah because for an album like this for every sincere relation there's a portrait of
2: loneliness yeah exactly he
1: Well, I've given this one a six. I know that before, a couple of years ago, this probably would have been much lower. But as I said, since discovering Robin's solo material, it's helped to appreciate this more.
2: Yeah. And as you say, the lyrics, I think Robin was improving his lyrics. And, and to squeeze all that sort of story about George, whatever, in two and a half minutes. It's impressive. It's impressive. Saying that, I'm going to go with a five on this. Okay. That then takes us on to track five,
1: Back Home.
2: As I said earlier, this was originally called All My Time. And I can see that it's a composition by all three, isn't it? Yeah. Barry was interviewed in the NME and he said that it was all about a hijacking. It was an actual hijacking in Palestine on September the 6th.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, again, this is one of those songs that I think is going back a few years, going back home. Um, (laughs) I think this one's quite Beatlesque. It's another one of those pastiche
2: songs of taxman yeah i've put it i thought the distorted guitars sound quite dated
1: when they did that pastiche song was it on bg's first we said there was one that was very similar to taxman okay that was a year later but four years down the line i mean i know that there, there are a few more of these types of songs on to whom it may concern but i think to whom it may concern gets away with it because it's a bit more tongue-in-cheek whereas here yeah it just seems like oh
2: here's a song but we're going to do it in this style just for the sake of it but I mean it doesn't outstay it's welcome I think it's only one minute it's not even two minutes no it's yeah. 150, 140, 150 or something isn't yeah. it so it, it's over and gone but I think it's what the album needs though it's it's a change of pace again I, I find that on here the mix is is too stuffy is that the
1: best way to describe yeah. it there's too much in the low end and it condenses everything together the vocals
2: just need to be brought forwards and it's a shame this one wasn't done live because I think it could have really rocked yes it's a fun track now we're track five in I mean do you think this one is Morris influenced um, even though it's all three do you think it was it was sort of a backing track that he would have put together I can imagine that this song might have Started life as
1: a bass riff that they were jamming away at, and then it it developed into the lyric. Maybe the chorus came first. Or, or that,
2: it's got or, that we say distorted, or would you say it's that they keep on about the swampy? Do you think it's still got Morris's sort of swampy sound to it? Yeah, I personally think this is a Morris-led track. <laughs>
1: It's the song that's needed after Sincere Relation
2: just to bring things back up again. On that note, Chris, I'm going to go with a... I'll go for the six. I'll give a six as well.
0: I walk my way Living in a man
1: This is another one that's very reminiscent of Cucumber Castle and that's understandable given that it's a Barry solo composition. But I think this one, this could benefit more from having harmonies from Robin and Morris. Yeah,
2: I think so. I mean, it's the longest song on the album. I think it's over four minutes, this one. we are already tracked six and it's the second solo Barry song. It's quite reminiscent of Stuff From The Kids' No Good, But for four minutes long, I think what this is missing is a bridge. I think it's just something just to take it to the next level. Not that I'm a songwriter or anything, but (laughs) from a listening point of view, I would have liked, even if he could do the Paul McCartney trick of of pinching a bridge from somewhere else, putting it in, and just reworking the song a bit. How do you feel this stands as a song to close off side one? If you're going to close side one with a ballad then I suppose you're going to have to finish with this one because as you said previously Back Home sort of changed the pace after Sincere Relationship and there's not that many songs in this batch that they've picked you could put to swap it with
1: I suppose it's something that they kind of like to do as well Does Mr Natural decide we one end with Give a Hand Take
2: a Hand yes
3: yeah
2: it's a thing they like to do and, and I've got no problems with this one being the last track no that's fine but I suppose that we're six songs in And
1: I think these have been They are varied But they they feel relatively tame There's nothing amongst this batch of six songs That we haven't already heard from their prior work
2: Either together or apart Especially, I suppose There must have been a lot of excitement Particularly probably in America With Lonely Days doing so well mm. That this was going to follow with similar type songs But that's a Bee Gees trademark, isn't it? To, you know as a rule, you say similar, but they are varied in the sense that you've got Lonely Days to ballads to slow ballads, up-tempo ballads...
1: What's fascinating about Two Years On is that arguably it's the Bee Gees' first comeback album. Although I was thinking about this, and throughout their career, they've got quite a lot of these quote-unquote comeback albums. In a way, Bee Gees' first could be a comeback album because it's them... Coming back to the UK. Yep. Then you've got Cucumber Castle could be a comeback to say that because Robin's left, we're still going to carry on. Two Years On is the comeback, the three of them coming back together... Mr. Natural could be a bit of a comeback because it's them going to a different producer. Yeah. Then Main Course is definitely more of a comeback because yeah. you've got going to the States. Mm. Living Eyes
2: is a bit of a comeback after the it's disco period. It's sort of a change of direction, isn't it? Then they've had all the Let's Write for Other People period so they they've then come back with ESP.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is, I think that is the definitive comeback album. Yeah. And then again, Still Waters is kind of them maturing a lot. Yeah it's a career that's filled with these comebacks and as two years on is one of those ones that is this album there's two things that people remember lonely days and the fact that it's the three brothers coming back yeah, together they're
2: the main two things and i think even diehard Bee Gees fans they'd have a the job to remember every track on this album
1: How do you score the first mistake I made? I'm probably going to go with the six. Yeah, as you said, with that bridge, it could have gone somewhere. Yeah.
2: Disappointment of two years on starting this album. We now come totally the opposite. I mean, I like this in the way that the slow build up, and it's like two songs put together again, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But you've got the beautiful piano section, which then it goes so nicely into the chorus that, despite I think it it might have started as two separate songs, but they go so well together. Do you
2: think like the beginning, the verse? Is a little bit like Golden Slumbers, you gave me your money. Yeah. And the chorus is like, carry that weight. Will you pick up on the Beatles
1: connection there? In an interview for Billboard in 2001, Morris said that the nicest compliment I ever heard about Lonely Days was when a manager in a restaurant turned around and said, you know, this was the best Beatles song ever.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: lonely days, lonely nights, when-
2: Robin said, Of course it meant a lot to us to get to number one in the States and in terms of money it means far more than having a hit in the UK. But for me I would have sacrificed all of that to know that the fans here had forgiven us for splitting up. And I'm I'm so surprised that it wasn't it wasn't a hit in the UK. Was it not? No. It's one of those songs that they. It's on every concert. It's a good crowd pleaser, I should think. Yeah, especially the chorus. Yeah,
1: with the 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 building drum beat going into it.
2: Yeah, I remember the um, the DVD or the CD of the live version from in Australia from '89. The crowd really warm up to this one. Well, in America, it got to number three, UK, 33. Wow. Um, so it is a big drop, isn't mm. it? And even in Germany, where they were pulling in top 10 songs, you know, even with August, October, got to number 12. And then suddenly this one only reached number 25. So it's a bit of a plummet, isn't it? Well, looking in the, at the UK, what was in the singles charts at the time? Well, if you look at January 1971, um, you've got a novelty record called Grandad um, with Clive Dunn. Then you've got a couple of sort of, I suppose, early classics. I suppose you've got I Hear You Knocking by Dave Edmonds, When I'm Dead and Gone, T-Rex Rider White Swan, an Early Jackson's record, I'll Be There, and then you've got Neil Diamond's Crackling Rosie. So yeah, it's it's quite a um, impressive top twenty there. You've got Working Its Way uh, at the charts was was George Harrison, My Sweet Lord. Yep. Your song Elton John. One bad apple by the Osmonds some good stuff and it, it, it just surprises me whether i don't obviously not knowing the time why why it failed to ignite in the uk record world gave lonely days one of its front page single picks of the week in this was in november 1970 right behind my sweet lord the gibbs are back together again and so is their music their new song goes through several engrossing changes which should keep the listeners and buyers on their toes. They offer more music per second than any group you can think of. There's also, I found, a version that is... I don't know whether it was the promotional version. The voices and the instrumentation sound slightly different. Mm-hm. sounds to me
1: quite like a demo yeah what is interesting about this song Lonely Days has no solo vocal lines right until the end with the repetition of the chorus but before that for the rest of the song every vocal line is blended vocals from all three brothers oh okay no I didn't I didn't know it's not until the end when they start repeating the chorus that then they take it in turns yeah you listen to all these times don't you you don't you don't which again Jesus. goes yeah. back to, this is why it was the single, because it was all three brothers together. It was the perfect blend of the three of them. And I think that's why it's it's the standout on the album. You can
2: see why it was picked as the first single. Easily. Lonely
0: days, lonely nights, where would I be without my one?
2: Well, I think with that in mind, I'm going with a... I'm re, I'm struggling between an eight and a nine, actually. Really? Whether I've heard it too much, yeah. I will okay. probably go for a nine. No, well, I'm going to go for a nine.
1: Yeah. Okay. That then takes us on to the second track on side two, Alone Again.
2: Naturally. <laughs> So for the rest of this side, Chris, we've got uh, four or five songs that are all solo compositions. Yep. So yes, you can definitely tell this has got Robin written all over it. But I think it's a really
1: poppy little song. We do joke a bit about Robin's songs always tend to be a bit more morose and a bit sombre. Yeah. Um, Loneliness. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I think this, again, deals with loneliness.
1: But it does it in a way that's a bit more up-tempo.
2: Yeah. In the Ultimate Biography, there is a piece as well, Chris, and it, regarding Alone Again, and it says, although no solo version of the song was ever recorded, Robin's handwritten lyrics from an early version of Alone Again was published in Germany's Bravo magazine back in 1969. So even though there was no recorded version, there were some lyrics, and they say, baby, you've hurt me for the very last time, and you show it. Everyone around me just knows it, Baby. Could be you really had me tied up in string and I believe it. And now I'm the one who must leave it. I could be wrong. Chorus. People, the sun is going down on your heads. So read your paper. I said you've been complaining about your legless beds. Well, talk about quirky Robin. So of all the acetates that we went through for Robin's Rain and for Sing Slowly, this one never appeared, did it? But it, as we said, it could fit onto either of those two. Yeah. There's one thing I like on this track, and that's Morris's piano playing. He starts the song off, doesn't he? I just think it, it's really good, the arrangement he's put on it, whether he's done that himself or whether he's worked with Bill Shepherd, but I think it works really well and complements what Robin's doing. It's those, those fast run-ups and downs. Exactly, do. yeah. And I mean, if you, we've got a recording from the BBC um, of this, and beginning of that it particularly highlights the piano playing
0: yeah
2: but listen to this track goes back to what you said. This just needs a really good remaster, mm-hmm. even a remix. This track to me is a little bit like Portrait of Louise. It wasn't one that I listened to a lot, but has really grown on me. And I think it's the best. out. The, there's a couple of Robin solo tracks. This is the best one. It surprised
1: me to find that it was a Robin solo song because it, I could really hear influences of Barry in the song. And as we said, Morris it probably was on the, yeah. on the piano.
2: So with that, I'm going to go with a seven on this. Yeah, I'm going to join you there with a seven. So along with this track, there was another track also recorded at the same time, which was the 5th of October, and that's a Barry Solo one called Tell Me Why. If you
4: think that you can hurt me And make
0: me cry Tell me why Tell me why Tell me why And if you think That you can hurt me With lies that cry Tell me why Tell me why Tell me why
1: Well, here we have the obligatory, pretty Barry acoustic song for the album in a similar style to The Kids No Good and what we had on Cucumber Castle. But I think here, because it's with Robin and Morris, it could
2: benefit from trading lead vocals with them. My notes start off, tell me why this is on the LP. Uh, I think it's one of the low points of the album, this one. I I don't... It just doesn't... To me, even on Cucumber Castle, Kids No Good, it would still be quite low down. I just don't register with this one I think okay. it's a I just think it's a Barry song That, that he, he To a penny
1: can roll off In the ultimate biography He says I wrote this with Ray Charles in mind It was written Just before a session With the lights down So interesting you said That he could roll it off I think it was one of those songs That he just did very quickly
2: Yeah When you think That they're done in the morning Even Don't forget me Ida" Would be far better th- Than this one Yeah would you say it, it, it's had similar fate for other groups? I mean, Genesis did the same title, with, and there were three of them, wasn't there? Yeah. And that doesn't get very good rap on the album. And then you've also got four of the Beatles doing Tell Me Why as well, a different, different song altogether. But I've got a lot else to say on this one, unfortunately. Tell
0: me why
2: Yes, yeah, so with that in mind, Chris, I'm going with a four on this. OK, am I'll give it a five. OK. I think that's probably one of the lowest ones I've given. Thinking about it, I don't know if I've ever gone down as far as a... Mr Waller's Wailing Wall might have been, been <laughs> wailing around
1: somewhere around that, but... So we've had a solo Robin song, a solo Barry song, completing the trilogy, Lay It On Me, Solo Morris.
0: Don't you drink with me Cause you know that I'm a loser And I'm proud of that fact As you can plainly see Never did what people said I should have I'm just a low-down credit Who never did any good I'm just a low-down credit Who never did any good (laughs) Spend my life Working up a sweat to be a bad boy Getting girls into trouble every day Going from town to town Now I tell you I've been around I'm just a little down credit who never did any good I'm just a low-down credit who never did any
1: good Well, it's great to see that the tradition of the One Token Morris song is continuing on this album and that he's given this solo spot and this is a really Really great number
2: Well I've got this down As another highlight Of the album Yeah Yeah and th- again Like a couple of the tracks This has improved With a lot of listens And I think as well Listening to the live version As well Has really helped Improve it mm-hmm. No I, I, I think This is, this is really good a down Credit pretty- This was done on on one of the batch of four songs when the twins got together. Yeah. I'm pleased it's on the album, and I, it's quite nice to hear Morris sort of shine again. Yeah, and there's a fun use of vocals. He's got that close
1: mic'd laughter that he does between vocal deliveries. It's a lot of fun.
2: Originally, it was called I Like Ya. In the NME, Morris uh, says that it was recorded at 10 in the morning... And it's one of my swamp records and it's got a sort of a soul feel to it. Yeah. So it's interesting.
1: Looking at the lyrics and and even the way that it's performed with those lower vocals, it is like suddenly from Odessa, but two years on, two years on from that, you get lay it on me. Yeah, good spot.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because he he does go into that lower register, doesn't he? It tends to be the style that he he goes with.
1: Yeah, it's always nice to have the Morris lead vocal and fortunately into future albums we get a few more of them. Yeah. I'm going to rate Lay It On Me as a seven. Yeah, I'm going with a six. back home this is another beatlesque song but i think it could have worked better faster similar to who knows what a room
2: is this is one of those songs that i've i've thought that who knows what a room is then you've got the unreleased track irresponsible blues and then there's bad bad dreams bad bad dreams yeah to make concern this is a um track that worked that for me has improved hearing it live as well yeah It gives them a chance, to the band, to really, really go at this one. It's the most upbeat of Barry's four solo songs on the album. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this works well, and it fits well with this side. Do you have any recording information for this song? Well, it's quite interesting, really, because I've got this one down as... 30th of september and for this session they did four recordings every one of them is a solo barry gibbs song so we've got a reworking of morning of my life one we're just talking about every second every minute the first mistake i made and don't forget me Ida. they've pulled in two australian recordings morning of my life and don't forget me Ida. and then obviously two recent barry solo songs I've given
1: this one a six.
2: Yeah, I've gone with a six as well. I was ten years old
4: My parents were poor Our house was so cold And I was still in school And learning And then I never And everyone we knew had money And driving a car And driving
2: a car Well, unfortunately, Chris, like Barry's Tell Me Why, this is another low point of the album for me. It's a shame, really, because the album then just fizzles out with this. It doesn't end... it, It doesn't really do much for me, this one at all. Okay, complete disagreement. I really like this.
1: To me... This is to two years on. What until is to spirits having flown? Wow, this is well, slightly. I better go and listen to this again. Then again, I think it's that thing of now that I've familiarised myself with Robin's Reign and sing slowly, etc., that I can appreciate this more as a Robin composition. But it's it's a really unusual way to close the album. And, mm. and until is a, a very odd song as well. I'm drawing the similarity between the two because both have got this tick tock. Feel to the tempo It makes me think of like, an, uh, like a, a clock Oh okay Almost like the, the the clock that's on the album cover And what I do like Because I was listening to this album On Spotify And I've got got it set so that When the album finishes it goes back to the beginning And plays through again It actually sequences really nicely to go straight from I'm weeping back into two years on Because you've got the The TikTok plodding At the end of I'm weeping Goes really nicely
2: then into the one year, two year oh, okay. opening of two years old. Well, do you, think, do you think after this they could have done a, I don't know, like a Paul McCartney where you sometimes finish the album, how you start it? Or well, like an ESP where they reprise that yeah. one year, two year yeah. in the same
1: way that, Yeah, ESP does that. Yeah,
2: it starts with the harmonies, then weeping, and then finish. Yeah. I think that would have been a better finish, actually. And it would have been something different because they've not done that before, no. really. No. There's certainly no no three part harmony like that, considering that's what they 're good at it it's surprising it, it took them that long to put one onto vinyl,
1: yeah. Likewise I can see why It is a sort of song that can pass under the radar And again with a title like I'm weeping you do sort of put it immediately Oh it's Robin it's a melancholic yeah. song
2: But I can see why you probably Like because you, you prefer When we talk about to Sing Slowly you, you prefer like, The tracks on the A side didn't you The, the chamber music Yeah pieces. and this could easily be part of that Because it's like I can imagine That old drum machine from Robin's Rain On this as well yeah, and, and it's obviously a more worked-on composition. Mm. You know, you've got the full studio, but even then, it's still quite basic. I think it sounds just like whether well, it's just Robin and Morris and Bill Shepherd, just the three of them. Because there's def- definitely no Barry in there anywhere, is there? Well, I'm going to go with a five on this one. Okay, no, I'm going to go for a
1: seven. As ever, we do have some extra songs to to
2: discuss, and they're by no means lesser tracks even though they're not on the album so I think with that Chris shall we go which one shall we tackle first shall we go Don't Forget Me Ida Don't Forget Me Ida
1: By its 1966 origin, this one really could have featured on any Bee Gees album from Cucumber Castle to Life in a Tin Can.
2: I think this one was written by Barry, but it sounds more like a, a Robin song to me. It's got his the feel of August, October, the, yeah. the what I call Robin Sway music, and it's one of those as I've said before, the Bee Gees got a knack of you think you've heard it for years. When I first heard this one, which was mid 2000s. I got a a bootleg CD of a lot of these tracks and I was just blown away how good it was compared to the album. Well, I think as well, like the next song we're going to discuss, I think this was was one of the songs proposed for the film Melody. So that could be why they brought this one back in. just looking at the notes as well this was this was done sort of end of September this is the time in October where Barry decides originally it was going to release one bad thing this is when they decide to pull it Mm -hmm. so obviously work then must have been fully fledged on two years on it's a
1: pleasant song and I'm glad that it was reworked even if it didn't make it anywhere it's a shame that it didn't appear on anything officially but here it is in this version
0: watching rainbows play on sunlight pools of water eyes from cold nights in the morning
2: tis the morning of my life so i think for this Podcast. Even though we know it was written four or five years prior, we're just going to concentrate, I think, on the this version, which I've got to say is one of my favourite songs from the Australian years, if not the best yeah. song from there. I think this is this is up there. And you said about singles of Two Years On. Why this wasn't even on Two Years On, or even released separately as a single?
1: Yeah, it's interesting that he went back to Australian material. And not back to material from the beginning of the year.
2: Interesting, isn't it? Well, I've got a bit of a theory on this. I'm not whether I'm barking at the wrong tree, but Nina Simone did a version in the sort of late 60s. And she'd also recently got to number five in the charts with To Love Somebody. So I'm wondering what that brought to her to the front. And Barry obviously must have heard her version. And it probably brought the song back. Yeah, he thought, well, it's a good song. We'll have a go at doing it. It's such a mature song. Even listen to this, after all these songs on Two Years On, do you find his vocal style already starting that sort of breathy? He's approached this one on that sort of style, hasn't he? And it's obviously a more fuller version than the original. And it's one of those timeless songs. It appears 50 years later on, Barry records it again for Greenfields. Yeah and it does a good it's one of the better tracks on the on that album. I found a recording from Melbourne, I think, 71, 74, and there's also a 1997 from One Night Only, yeah.
0: It's only morning and you still to live your day Right corner up the ceiling in my room where we'll stay Until the sun shines another day To swing down closer
1: But it's just one of those timeless Gibb compositions that, again, like To Love Somebody seems to be covered by so many artists. We said Nina Simone, Mary Hopkins. It just translates so well to so many different artists across so many different genres.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised that nobody's covered it more recently. Like 20 years ago, you had Don't do words mm. and it was quite popular, late 90s, for BG songs to be covered. Steps did Tragedy, etc. There's one or two others that have done stuff recently, that nobody's picked upon this one. In the I know we don't mark the songs for these additional ones, but if I had to, this would be the first 10. In terms of the song
1: itself, yeah, I would go like you for a 10. Um, but I feel like there was
2: there was a definitive Bee Gees version that we never had. Mm. And I think we now come, Chris, to the last... The last track that we've got a recording of. Yep. And this is called To Dance Again, which gets bootlegged. They bootleg it as called Modulating Morris, but it's actually To Dance Again. <laughs>
1: Dance Again is a Barry Robin and Morris composition however it seems that when it was recorded it was Barry and Morris who took it into the studio and as a theme it was intended for the TV version of The Three Musketeers okay well it doesn't sound swashbuckling does it it's very twee <laughs> yeah is it I is isn't it? isn't it it's catchy yeah this isn't a million miles away from that instrumental song from Odessa the leftover square cut
2: oh yeah it's got that feel isn't it I I know probably Morris was into his sort of soundtracks and things wasn't he so I would have think this is probably originated from him I think there were a few
1: instrumentals that we spoke about in the loner episode that sound on a sonic level sound very similar to this
2: yeah I think brought in Barry to help him yeah. cuz it's quite melodic isn't it for a for an instrumental and and, and um, I can't I couldn't imagine this with lyrics on it though I suppose because I've heard it a few times If you think back to the deluxe version of the albums we got With them extra bonus tracks With completely unoriginal There are a couple of others you just couldn't see On the album But but they were fun to do in the studio Well I think that about Close It Chris Before we um, sort of do our thoughts on it I thought I'd run down with a couple of extra tracks Like we started There's some more tracks that unfortunately didn't make the cut There's a track called Lost and this was built around Morris's piano and Barry's guitar. And then Morris will record two takes of a song called Fantasy. The results will be somewhat rough, though the track and melodic changes are intriguing.
3: <laughs>
2: well, I think after wetting her taste buds for all those unreleased stuff, I think that about covers... The album and sort of the time frame.
1: Okay. We'll now go on to the audience and listener thoughts on the album that we've had sent through. Oh, excellent. On Twitter, Daniel Navarro says, The sound quality of this album is not as good as all the others. It's like there's too much treble in it. Man for All Seasons is a good song, but sang out of tune. Back home and every minute, every second are great rockers. Portrait of Louise reminds me of Paradise from Living Eyes. Sincere Relation is a song Robin wrote about his late father-in-law. I grew to love it. Lay It On Me should have been a single. Mo is on a roll with all of his songs during this period. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And then Daniel concludes saying, This album, like This Is Where I Came In, has songs that each brother individually contributed to, as well as songs they all wrote together. Which is what we thought, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then Odessa 2009 says... For me, Two Years On is probably the weakest Bee Gees album of all, but still has some gems: Lonely Days, Portrait of Louise, Sincere Relation, and Lay It On Me. But considering what came next, Trafalgar, which is an absolute classic album, Two Years On was probably a stepping stone from the splits to Trafalgar. Agree, yeah. And then Stephen Deleu says, "Just listened to this album for the first time in many years and was pleasantly surprised by several songs." Back Home is a great rock song that totally escaped my attention until
2: now. But that's what we're finding going through this podcast, isn't it? Exactly. You go through these albums, and as I said before with songs earlier on, you just forget what they are until you physically have to concentrate on listening to something. And on email,
1: Kayla Allison says, I love listening to Two Years On. My favourite songs on the album are Portrait of Louise, Every Second, Every Minute and Man For All Seasons. I love that Lonely Days is the only song from the album they sang in concerts for many years after the album was released. The music video for that song is sweet to watch. Have you seen that music video?
2: No. Of all the cars no. arriving in their driveway? No. They could do with probably a remaster, couldn't they? Well, sort of high res versions of all these videos yeah. putting on. I mean, they keep release all the greatest hits albums. It'd be nice to have a DVD or a Blu ray, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. well, I suppose Blu ray you wouldn't gain much, but definitely a DVD. Even better if you could get Barry doing a commentary. Yeah. And then Frode
1: Apeland says, The album starts off with the title track, Two Years On, which has to be the Bee Gees' weakest opening track, which we said. Yeah. I wonder if they chose to start off the album with this track because of the fitting title. The next song, Portrait of Louise, is a much better song. But in general, this album is very uneven in quality. Lonely Days is, of course, a wonderful and legendary song and Lay It On Me is possibly the best song where Morris sings lead vocals. I'm also very fond of Every Second, Every Minute, and Alone Again. The latter song is mainly written by Robin and seems to be about the fatal train accident he survived along with his girlfriend in 1967. All in all, this album is one of the weakest Bee Gees albums, but the highlights of this album makes it worthwhile to have in
2: your record collection. Not without doubt, but looking at... uh... Those few, you can see there's a general thread of which songs people tend to go for. Going from town to town, now
1: I tell
0: you I've been around. I'm just a little down never did any good.
1: On the website Bee Gees Reviews, Nicholas James says, Many of the songs are written by just one brother, and the album lacks the cohesion of most of their other albums. In fact, it is almost like four different albums. When the three brothers come together on Man for All Seasons, Back Home and Lonely Days, they fare little better, although Lonely Days became their biggest US hit to date and spearheaded a short period of success in the States, just as their European star began to fade. On All Music, Bruce Eder says, The surprises on this album, apart from the overall tone and quality, include the sprightly title track, which was one of the first Bee Gees songs to feature surreal lyrics that weren't downbeat and back home with the loudest guitar ever heard on a Bee Gees record. The quality of the recording itself was also improved over their earlier releases. Not sure if I agree with that. No,
2: I don't, because I thought... The the improvement, I thought, was with the follow-up LP when they went on to 16-track. Definitely, yeah. Trafalgar sounds
1: much better. Bruce Eder goes on to say that between the sound quality and the song selection, the Bee Gees suddenly found themselves right back in the thick of popular music and as close to the cutting edge of pop rock as they'd ever been. Oh, okay. Much more positive, it seems, than a lot of other people. Yeah. And then George Sorostin on the Only Solitaire blog says, Two years on is by all means, a huge improvement over the tiresome mushiness of Cucumber Castle. Nevertheless, even if Robin's return somewhat reignited the flames and re-stimulated the competitive spirits between the brothers, this time in a healthy manner, Two Years On does not pick up where Odessa left off. On the contrary, it is almost as if the brothers were intentionally intent on forgetting about that experience. And then Sir Austin concludes his review, describing Two Years On as... Apache hit-and-miss job, for sure, but with the musical fashions changing, splitting, and disintegrating, it would be folly to expect consistent taste and genius from the new-look Bee Gees. On the contrary, it all looks fairly nice to their obvious contemporary competitors on the soft rock market, so a less secure thumbs-up here than for their 60s stuff, but a thumbs-up all the same. Hmm, so fairly positive, isn't it? But then I think most tellingly, I found a quotation from Barry Gibb, and he says in a statement that was released for Trafalgar, he says, Two years on was a hesitant album. We were just getting used to each other again. Yeah. And that is how he yeah. regards the album. Fair enough, yeah. A few weeks ago, I put out a survey for two years on, allowing yeah. the listeners to rate every song between one to ten, as just as we do. And what I've now done is I've gotten the average score from all of the responses and I've listed the songs from least favourite to favourite. That would be in them. So right at the bottom was No Surprise For You, I'm Weeping. <laughs> that got a 6.3. Yeah. Next up. As high as that. Yeah, there seemed to be fans for every song. Yeah. Um, a few 10 out of 10s for all of the songs and 9s and 8s. But next up was Sincere Relation with a 6.6. I think you and I were around a 6 yeah. for that song then Tell Me Why with a 6.8. And then the first mistake I made, that had a 7. Next up was Back Home with a 7.5. Then tied in together was Man For All Seasons and Two Years On. Interestingly, two of the songs that have all three brothers together got a shared score of a 7.7. Then Every Second Every Minute had a 7.9. Portrait of Louise did an 8 out of 10. That did really well. Lay It On Me was a fan favourite that got an 8.3 surprisingly second favourite on the album Alone Again got an okay. 8.6 well, I really like that song but mm. I didn't think it would get that yeah. high and then of course number one
2: Lonely Days with a 9.1 yeah, which is not a surprise is it? Not but all. the biggest surprise as you say is Alone Again I, I think we what, did we what was our scores for that one Chris? yeah we both gave
1: Alone Again a 7 yeah but our scores don't differ too greatly to what the audience think but it was great to have everyone's Opinions, and we'll carry that on going forward. Yeah, that's interesting, so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah,
2: we'll carry that on. I've got a few comments from a couple of brothers around this time as well. Morris remembered, "It's a funny thing that in the first week of recording, we sat around and looked at each other and smiled, but we were all afraid to suggest something. It was a case of who's going to try and take control. We had to get back together because the formula was between the three of us, but the image of the Bee Gees brothers had been smashed." Oh dear. (laughs) And then Barry adds, it was a case of whoever pushes the, the first idea will accept it. And we started to ask each other's opinions and generally think about the other person a bit more. In the past, we were just three kids. We couldn't respect each other as men and for each other's talents. I think we reformed because we were tired of being on our own, he added. We didn't split in the first place because we wanted to be solo acts. We just wanted to be alone for a while, hence one of Robin's titles. <laughs> because at that time, we'd been together for 10 years. We were young men, and it only struck us because of our ages. Now we're at the average age of a pop group. What still surprises me there is that Morris says that the formula of the Bee Gees
1: works when it's the three of them together, but yet this is an album that's got all those individual compositions
2: yeah. on it. Yeah, because i I say, there's only three, isn't there? ...by all three brothers.
0: Would you pray? ...what makes the world go right?
2: How did Two Years On perform in the charts? Well, not particularly well. It reached number 32 in the USA... ...which is surprising considering how well Lonely Days did. There was no chart placings at all in the UK... Cucumber Castle peaked at 57, which wasn't brilliant. But at least it did get a position. Yeah, didn't do anything. So they had no no joy with the single. And unfortunately, two years on, we'll kick off uh, uh, seven straight albums in the UK, not to reach in the charts.
1: But it still did something, I suppose, with, with Lonely Days. It still did something to keep them, if not at the top of the charts, at least in the public
2: consciousness. And in fact, on the singles market, Chris, up until Saturday Night Fever... They'd only had five singles in the UK charts. But do
1: you think that if you were as big of a Bee Gees fan now back in 1970 to have heard Cucumber Castle and Odessa, how do you think you would have felt
2: about two years on? God, well, you'd been excited to know that they're back together again. I, I would, would have enjoyed Lonely Days. And then you think like Man for All Seasons was a typical B.G. song at the time, and you'd probably put Alone again. But I don't think there was a lot there to hold of interest. I don't know. There's, no, there's not a lot of new, exciting things. No. Have they gone down a route of, let's just put aside the ballads? But I think, you know, I'm concentrating more on stuff like Lonely Days and, and more up-tempo stuff. But I just think that they... Still brought back Bill Shepard, didn't they, to do all the arrangements? And obviously he's... Orchestral, and they' so it? and they're so ballad, so, so why not break a formula? They didn't know when they were writing this how the songs were going to perform. It's only afterwards that they think, oh dear, it didn't do very well, but then they see it doing well in the U- in the usa, so they they must assume that everything is still okay, and they blame the lack of i suppose the lack of shark' success or anything on the publicity of, of the breakup. But then thirty years
1: down the line, when they're performing live, even right through to two thousand and one. And they're bringing out songs like How Can You Mend a Broken Heart. They go down so well. Oh, they do, yeah. love them. Yeah. Even if they didn't appreciate it at the time. I've written down some concluding notes for two years on. Yeah. And I said, Despite the importance of the album at the time of its release, heralding the reunion of the brothers, two years on, has since become an often disregarded album. The Bee Gees really needed a change as drastic as Mr. Natural with a whole new style and working environment. However, two years on remains a fascinating moment in the Bee Gees timeline. It represents what has come before and it is a clear indication of what is to come next.
2: Yeah, that's that's true, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit like a diary, isn't it? Of their career, you can see. Every year is is, is an album. Yeah. And you can document
1: their lives through that. We're talking about things to come next. That leads us nicely into our next episode.
2: And we'll sail away with um, Trafalgar. Yeah. (laughs) Don't
0: need no one to show.
1: Thank you for listening to Words, the Bee Gees Podcast, presented by Stuart and Cristiano Jepsen. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Words Bee Gees Podcast and on Twitter at Words Bee Gees Pod. Or, if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at wordsbeegeespodcast at gmail.com.